how do you define success? What's important in life? What is happiness? Success. Ambitions. Exploring ideas of perspectives and mindsets. Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Williams, and today's guest is professional speaker, entrepreneur, founder of Speaker Express, and author of the book Speak, Influence, Sell. Elliot Kay, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's uh, it's great to be here. Let, let's, let's have a great podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Elliot, looking forward to it. So before we jump in, then just to un- understand a little bit about who you are and, and kind of what you do, let's say you're at a dinner party and there's seven people in the room and one of them turns to you and goes, Elliot, what is it that you do? How would you answer that question? Well, now I answer the question. I go, well, I work with business owners and entrepreneurs to let to show them how to be more giraffe. That's that's my answer these days. It's it's changed a little bit, but what does that mean? I work with businesses, business owners, and entrepreneurs to get them to use speaking as a communication tool to win more business, to use their voice for good, and to make an impact in the industry. Hence, hashtag Be More Giraffe. Standing tall in the the industry that that clicks. I like that. Yeah, like there. So that's currently my answer, and actually, it's interesting because. Um, We've, we, uh, I think you, you've seen a little bit of Instagram. We've been running this whole Be More Giraffe campaign and it's really taken off. And now we're really pushing us to be like our thing, you know, be like, just do it. It's like, hey, Be More Giraffe. Be so really More Giraffe. That, yeah, it's really using that as an integral part of our marketing moving forward. And uh, hopefully it'll take off. And actually it's funny because I had a meeting um, with this guy who runs a magazine, Expert Profile magazine. And he was like, Elliot, I was expecting you to show up in your giraffe outfit. Like, oh, okay. So that that's the expectation now, is it? He's like, yeah. Have a giraffe outfit. I do. I have a giraffe onesie. Um, it's it's somewhere in this room. Um, let me see. Obviously, Pete, the podcasts listeners can't see it, but uh, let it be noted that I'm showing Adam my my giraffe onesie. That's a very (laughs) impressive giraffe onesie. I must say, I must say. So yes, I do have a giraffe onesie, and I have done talks in my giraffe onesie as well and it seems to have gone down very well so i think it's the way forward to be more giraffe and wear giraffe onesies well if, if people can take one thing from this podcast it's going to be be more giraffe <laughs> but, but, exactly. but, to, but to delve into the episode then elliot i heard you speak on mm-hmm. uh, adam cox's modern mindset podcast uh, a few yeah. weeks back i listened to it and something you said resonated with me you were talking obviously about who you are what you do and And you started to talk about and you started to describe how the world's in chaos at the moment, let's be honest, with the with the pandemic, with the the political unsettledness, I guess would be the word. Um, There's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of uncertainty. And you it seems like you were saying that people are looking for people to stand up and offer hope. And you were saying that to offer hope, you needed to be able to communicate hope. Can you just tell me more about that? Yeah, you know, um, in times of uncertainty, the natural reaction for people is to retract, right? We need to be safe. We need to look after ourselves. And and that's that's normal. And 
when we retract, and I'm, I'm just using collectively, okay, um, we're looking for guidance and we're looking for that voice of reason, that voice of good. We're looking for that inspirational person or that person that can guide us, that person that can show us how. And I know that, you know, that, that, that kind of cuts across very various ways of delivering that various different industries that you can do that in. But that's really, if you look at the whole situation in the UK since lockdown, since March, and now when, as we're recording this, the second lockdown coming towards the end of it, people, you know, at the beginning, there was a but there's like, hey, cool, we're in lockdown. This isn't too bad. You know, you get to stay home. It's all right. But throughout that, what emerged as when when it was like, oh, oh, my God, you know, this is serious. Like, especially when August and really September hits like, no, this isn't going away. You know, this is happening. People then seek external guidance. Right. They, they seek that person or that community that can show them how to cope better, how to be better. You know, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you remember this, Adam, at the beginning of the pandemic, it's like, learn a new skill. You've got the time. This is the time to better yourself. This is the time, you know, if you leave the, the lockdown with, with one more skill, then well done. Well, you can upskill yourself. And that's that's a great thing to, to aim for. But what people really, in essence, need when there's such uncertainty, such division is, is light. And I don't mean that in a fluffy way. They need guidance. They need like, this is the way out. And that's what I was saying on Adam's podcast. And, and one of the greatest ways to do it is to stand for something and use your voice for good. Now, that does mean you go the other way. It depends how you want to communicate, right? You can do the whole, you know, sod you and sod the world and this is terrible. And that will work to an extent. You'll get a following. But at some point, people crave the good stuff. They crave positivity they create something more than an angry voice you know because anger only carries so far but they want voice of reason they want voice of hope and they want voice of compassion and that's what people are really looking for and if you if you look through the last few months with the pandemic with you know the election in the usa with brexit we don't need more negative voices. We Okay, it's good to express ourselves and be angry and when you need to do that, to do that. But really underneath it all, people want hope. They want guidance. They want, how do I make my life better from this crappy situation? What tools can you offer me so I can have a better life, so I can sleep better, so I can feed my kids or my family, so I can pay my rent? And you can't really get that through anger consistently, Right. And that's what I was talking about in a nutshell. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And you talk about how, you know, people living in that state of anger, it's not sustainable. It's not going to go anywhere. I, I see that as they're living in, in some element or state of fear and with everything going on externally, yeah. there is a lot of fear at the moment, but to take it back onto the positive side, to look at that hope, to look at that light. What is that hope? What is that hope? What is that light that we're looking for? It's a great question. I, I think, you know, I can only answer it from my perspective because I think that's very personal, right? And I think I can only really answer it from my modality of the world or from my understanding of the world. And I think to be completely respectful of your listeners, I, I think I can only come from my point of view. Obviously, it's very different. And, you know, for some of us, especially in the entrepreneurial world and the business world, I think it's the craving for, you know, the hope of certainty again, of economic growth, of 
customer demand, of customer need, um, to sustain your position in your industry, you know, that would be the kind of entrepreneurial business hope. As a father, you know, I, I hope that I can continue, continue providing for my family and I can put food on the table and I can pay my rent, you know. And, and for some people in my space, it's, it's that hope that we can give each other a hug again and we can connect face to face. And, you know, that human interaction has been gravely missed as much as technology is amazing. One consistent trend, one consistent theme throughout a lot of people that are suffering from mental health issues has been the lack of contact has been the lack of knowing when they will be contact, if you look at the trends and what's been going on out there. So for some people, it's that hope to be able to interact in a social environment. And as much as we're never going to do that, I do think there's still an, an attachment to going back to normal, whatever normal was. And I think because that's never going to happen or not going to happen in the near future, then the hope is that some form of normality will, will, will surface. And I think that is something I can say across the board, whatever your normal used to be, that you get close to that again, that you're able to, whatever it meant for you, sit in the pub, watch the football, watch the rugby, you know, whether it's going out for a meal, whether it's the ability to, you know, have a conversation with strangers without worrying if they're going to cough on you and, you know, <laughs> shake their hands, give a hug. I think a lot of people are craving that, that hope, right? that, you know, you can go for a jog and people don't turn their back on you because, you know, you're jogging without a mask. So it is very individual. But if I'm looking sort of at a grand level, if I'm talking sort of on a global kind of like, you know, the high level stuff, it's the hope that we can get back to some form of functioning as human beings with connection, with interaction, with guidance, with economic stability. You know, I suppose some people are fairly deluded to think the politicians will suddenly become really good and really nice. Uh, I think that's not going to happen regardless of pandemic or not. But <laughs> And there's some form of hope for unity across, you know, the country and the globe. You know, I think there's a hope that what came out of George Floyd situation, that we can learn about our ignorance and we can learn where we thought we weren't being racist that we are racist and it's the subtle racism that's the problem it's not the extremism on either side it's it's the in between it's the gray areas i think that's a big part of the hope and that's really why you know what is come out of that has been very beautiful is people starting to speak up and express themselves and people being willing to listen of course there's still the, there's a majority that probably won't and aren't but i think there's the hope there's the hope for love peace and unity. And again, I'm, I'm far from a hippie, but I do believe that that is a core kind of hope that a lot of us want now. It's time to unify. It's time to come together because division doesn't work. Division does not work. It, it, ke it keeps people in a state of fear. It keeps people in a state of anxiety. It keeps people separated and it destroys societies, you know, where they, regardless, it, it destroys people. Um, and of course, the more divided we are, the easier we are to conquer, the easier we are to be influenced, because then we find ourselves taking sides. We don't listen. It's like, oh, it's, it's Adam's fault. Why? Well, because he's on that side. He's not on this side. He, he's, you know, he's on the, of those lot. And that becomes very dangerous. That, that's where a lot of wars come from. And if you look at the next sort of concern for the UN over the next decade, one of the biggest concerns is the rise in religious conflicts, Right. Um, and again, of course, the hope is that we can overcome that. I mean, of course, poverty is up there, the fallout of the pandemic, mental health is a big one. 
um, you know, equal job opportunities is a massive one. So when you ask about hope, you know, it's such a, it's almost like we could do like a whole season on hope of podcasts, right? What does hope mean to people? And so that's my answer. I, it's a very big, wide answer, but I, that's the best I could do to answer such a great question. It was a great answer as well. As Again, this is a conversation that we could have for hours and hours and hours. Right. These are the conversations that, that I like to have, that I like to have on, on to bring onto this podcast for the listeners to, to hear. And what the main thing I got from that is, is people want unity. People want the connection, whether that's going back to normal to speaking to a stranger in the pub, or whether that's, you know, the 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 unity and connection of, of eradic- eradicating racism. You know, at the end of it, that ultimately it comes down to unifying society, unifying the human race. And yeah. I think that leads on to my question of like, uh, so, so after this question, we'll, we'll go on to how people can speak up and, and what are some of the tools for, for that. But before we do, like, what's the consequences if we're not able to unify i'm talking like on a on a human race kind of level now if we're not able yeah. to 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 unify to have that connection you mentioned a few like wars and stuff earlier i think that's that's tipping the iceberg of it but like what's the consequence well again you know i'm not a in terms of like a societal expert and things like that but again i can give the answer from my experience and where I come from, and I think, you know, the, the wars would be tip of the iceberg, but then we would go back to literally sticking to our own and whatever our own means. And that's a really skip. First of all, where do you fit in? Like if you're not of, of a certain, you know, again, what does that even mean? But I think that's what will happen. We'll end up reclusing into our own groups, into our own herds, and then not allowing any external type of interaction. And then what, do we go back to when we all lived in castles and we build up massive walls and then we, we don't let anyone that's a stranger in? You know, in a way, that's what will happen. People, will, even though it might not happen in castles, it, people withdraw more and more online into their own communities. Of course, the online will only show them what they want to see or what they think they should see in terms of selling them advertising or that rabbit hole. Oh, you need to follow this person. You need to watch this video. And then we'll end up living in these bubbles of of mistaken realities that aren't real. But they're real to us because we exist in those bubbles. We'll forget to interact. We'll forget to communicate. Uh, We'll only talk within our own values. We won't learn to appreciate and respect other people's values. So it will it will be it might not be a war with weapons, but it'll be a war of of existence because my existence will become more important than yours. And therefore the segregation will become wider and wider and wider. You just have to look in the states, right? The two camps, Biden and Trump. I'm not going into right or wrong of either, but how divided that country is now and how absolutely people have lost families, friends over who they voted for. Right. People have stopped talking to people, have disowned people, have turned their back on people. That's the tip of the iceberg. If we don't like if we can't see through who you're voting through and respect each other's political agenda, how are we going to respect each other's way of existing? If we take this to an extreme, you know, if if I'm if people are turned and again, and I've seen it in the UK as well with, is this a pandemic? Is it a pandemic? Did Bill Gates unleash it? Did he not? And again, I've seen people going to both extremes and falling out over this. So if we can't unify at least 
in disagreement of each other's opinions and theories of things, then again, how are we going to coexist? And that's where it's really worrying because the rise of the cancel culture is also a concern, right? That one person does one thing wrong and they're of a profile, they get canceled. Or, and some are justifiable, okay? I just want to be very upfront that if someone does wrong and they're a person of power and they get caught out, they should be. But then there's the whole game, things taken out of context and they're easily cancelled. And again, we're seeing that you vote for Trump, you're out. You vote for Biden, I'm not speaking to you. You're a traitor, you're a scumbag, you're a racist. It's like, whoa, you know, I've just cancelled you down. You stopped becoming a human being. But that's the other concern with that is then there's the rise of violence. Then you become dispensable to me, right? You become less human, if human at all. Then it's okay for me to attack you because you're less than me. So that's the worry, do you see? Mm. So it's not war on the field, like let's shoot each other out. That's concerning enough. It's the it's the unseen, unheard wars that we're going to be having. It's the cancelling of each other that we're going to be dealing with. It's the the societal inclusing, like, it, and what's the word? Um, when we withdraw into ourselves and we only hang out with our kind, that's what's worrying. And that will be the extreme of that. Yeah, reclusing completely to our own, you know. And that's, I think, will be the extreme effect of non-unity. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, you see the societies are completely polarised and there's a saying divide and conquer. We ask the question now, well, who's who's conquering us or who's going to step in and, and conquer us? That's, that's what gets me scared. <laughs> right, and then, but but you know, again, like they'll come and go. And then people are just left like these sheep going, oh, and then they'll just go to the nearest thing, which is often worse, right? If you look at, again, I'm not going to get political, but if you look at when they take out an extreme leader in a certain country, all happens is that leader gets replaced with someone more extreme. That's it. That's, That's just what happens. So yes, you might have like cut the head of the snake off, but it just grows too worse, you see? And that's mm. the concern. So if we're talking about within our society or whoever conquers us, whether it be technology uh, or, or whoever, a person, when that person goes, someone worse will rise, unless we address what we talked about and we do come with unity and we do, you know, and again, I don't mean this from a, yo, dude, peace kind of, I mean from a real practical educational point of view, about really learning about each other's and respecting each other's histories and and not, you know, because I've been a victim doesn't give me the right to attack, right? So yes, I've been a victim. It gives me the right to be angry and frustrated, but also it gives me the opportunity to educate. And I think a lot of times, again, when we look at mass kind of like reaction, people have been hard done by the natural response is to attack. And that attack is okay because they've been hard done by. But actually the opportunity is to educate. Sure. And, and touching on the the education side of that, then that kind of leads into where we started this conversation of, you know, we're looking for people now to stand up and offer a voice for hope, or as you would say, a, a voice for good. A voice for good. How yeah. how could it, it's this is a broad question, but how how can people do that? So obviously your or it seems your job is then to to help people communicate effectively, whether that's a business sense or, or maybe even in a personal sense as well. 
you know, yeah. looking at some of the, the problems that we've just addressed with some of the the polarization of societies or just a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty, you know, yeah. where can or how can people start to offer hope on a communication basis that, that you teach? Yeah. Well, I think in a way we're living the greatest time of our lives in terms of access to communication tools, right? So just look how many different platforms you can communicate at zero, no cost, right? Uh, zero, no cost. It's the same. Zero, low cost, right? <laughs> but, you know, there is so much accessibility now for you to be able to communicate and use your voice for good. You start somewhere. Most people start nowhere or start everywhere. Choose one or two and, and, and focus on it. Be consistent and really, really, you know, follow the thread. The important thing to do, you know, is to really control and, and be aware of the narrative you want to portray. And this goes beyond speaking. It's branding. It's marketing. Right. It's 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 politics It's communication. <clears throat> the one who controls the narratives tends to control the market or tends to control the result. Right. So the way you do it is is first of all, to begin with, you'll start off and, and you will communicate what you stand for and you communicate why you stand for it and you communicate why you're sticking to it. And you need to let go of being obsessed by likes, comments, and engagement. Like when you stand for something, it's going to take time. It's going to take consistency. But it's learning how to say the same thing in a variety of ways, right? And that's where time comes in. That's where training, that's where experience comes in. But equally, you've got to learn how to deal what comes at you, right? You need to learn how to deal because... Just because Adam and I are sitting here talking about unity and hope and things like this and the podcast goes out, doesn't mean everybody's going to like that. Doesn't mean suddenly all the comments are going to be like, yeah, well done, man. I mean, I hope a lot of them are. But, you know, there might be some form of a backlash. You don't understand. You don't this. You don't. Okay, fair enough. You've got to be willing to accept that can come your way as well. So it's the confidence to stand for something, but it's also the confidence to deal with what comes at you. So one girl we've worked with... Um, a while ago now, but she's seeing the results is, is a lady called Emily Hunt. Um, you know, she's just won the PIFRA award and or the PIFRA award. I think I can't remember if I'm pronouncing it right. But basically for five years, she campaigned to change the law about being filmed without your consent sexually, right? Because it wasn't against the law. And she woke up in a hotel room. This is all online. So I'm not putting, I'm not saying anything confidential. She woke up in a hotel with a stranger. She called the police. The police messed it up. They couldn't prosecute him. But he did have footage of her naked. I don't know in terms of what was on it, but basically she never gave the consent. And so she used her voice to campaign to change the law so he could be prosecuted. So did, she didn't get him on sexual assault, but she got him on voyeurism. And now he's gone to prison for that. So she really had to, you know, everything we're talking about, she had to go through. So yes, she stood for something great. She stood for a great cause. But when you're dealing with that space, you're going to get, you brought it on yourself. You're a drunk, you're a slut, you're this. So she really had to stand for something greater than her own needs for justice in a way to pursue this. And it was tough, you know, at times she was on the phone to me uh, or I'd read posts from her. And I know at times she was close to suicide because if you think about it, you're up against a system that doesn't want to acknowledge it, got it wrong. And then you've got people coming at you. Well, that's why you should never read the comments in the Daily Mail telling you that you're a slut and you brought it on yourself. So when you combine the two, of course, you're going to 
you're going to question your own journey, your own merit. But she stuck by it and she stuck by it and she stuck by it. And she's been on TV, she's been on Sky, she's been on radio multiple times, she's been on Loose Women, and she's become a real voice for it, right? She never set out to do that, but she knew she had to stand for something because you know what? How many people aren't? How many women don't speak up? How many people just accept it? And I will say people because it happens to men too, right? Just don't say anything. So to get going, you've got to be willing to and prepared for both directions. Yes, there's an output, but there's going to be an input. So when you're using your voice for good, when you're shaking up industries, when you're shaking up um, paradigms, mindsets, it's going to be met with resistance until you can prove yourself. It's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like a marathon. Everyone starts at the start line. There's loads of people, but then you take off, right? And then you realize that there's not that many people around you. So, but you're still on this marathon. You still need to hit that finish line. And it's a bit like that. So that's how you get started. And, you know, in terms of platforms and stuff, you know, there's, there's a sea of them out there right now. It's just knowing what you want to stand for, that willingness to persevere, that willingness to understand that stuff will come at you, that not everybody's going to be like, that's amazing, man. Well done, you know. Um, and, and then you persevere. You consistently do. And, and then you need to be more giraffe. <laughs> be more giraffe. I love it, Elliot. I love it. I think um, you said some some great stuff there, and I just want to touch on one of them. I think when you are pushing for something, you are putting yourself out there. Essentially, you're... And, and this this kind of comes under some of the, the fears about public speaking. You're putting yourself out there for the opportunity to be judged, to yeah. be judged by society, to be judged by the public. And ultimately, because as social beings, we ironically crave connectivity, to put yourself out there to, with the opportunity to have judgment put on you, that's quite a scary thing. But it, you know, what, how would you say then to, how would you create a mindset to overcome that fear of judgment, that fear of putting yourself out there, that fear of, of people not, not agreeing with, with what you're saying? Yeah, great question. And of course, a lot of people go through that and people shy away from ever speaking out because of that. I think that's where the, the purpose piece is so important. It, it's not just about speaking, right? It's about communicating something greater, uh, standing for something more and knowing that if you're not going to speak out, maybe no one will ever will, you know. Obviously, that's not the case, but it's almost that kind of thought. And um, it, it is about preparing. You know, there's a reason why politicians can stand there and deal with the abuse. There's a reason why Jose Marino can sit there and deal with the press. I mean, he's a, he's a special case anyway. You know, I'm, I'm, just for the record, I'm not, I'm not a Tottenham fan, nor am I a Chelsea fan. Um, However, he has this, you know, he's got that innate, it's like, I'm not here to be nice, I'm here to win. So I don't really care what you think. So you can develop that thick skin. Um, and I think you have to understand that you can't please everybody. There's how many billions of people in the world? Not everybody will like you. But when you're consistent and you do stand for something great, you will rally support. It will take time. Um, it will it will come with rewards. But the problem is people give up before they get the rewards. They only face the challenge. And I think that's a big part of it. You've got to deal with rejection. You've got to deal with, that's why I'm saying, what comes at you. And you have to develop that inner certainty and that connectivity to a greater purpose. If we take, you know, obviously Martin Luther King, there were people around at the time he was doing his speech 
saying the same thing, but his was so effective because he was so aware of the language he used. He was aware to show up in the right places. He was very tactful, very strategic with what he did. Of course, he was met with mass resistance, but he tied it to something greater, you know, eventually probably giving up his life for it. Was he a great guy? I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff about him personally, but publicly, did he stand for something greater? Did he impact? Did he use his voice for good? On a mass scale, he did. So that's why the, the importance of language kicks in. That's why also having a great solid structure is important because you're selling people into a concept, into an idea. And that's where you need to be aware of that. That's where the, the preparation and the perseverance. But even look at someone like Gary Venyachuk, right? Who's, who's in essence a thought leader. That's what he is. He's a thought leader. And he says, he's, he tells the same story. He's been telling the same story for over a decade. And it's worked brilliantly for him because what he does very cleverly, he controls the narrative. He's got huge output. He's using his voice for good. But equally, he gets rid of the, the haters very quickly because he dismisses them. And, and therefore, it's just him. And he's, he's, he's really managing that very well. And he's completely created this following. Uh, he's way up there as an authority. Has he had to deal with criticism? Of course he has. You know, everybody will at some point. But when you stand for something greater, you're able to somehow minimize that. It's not as loud. And it's so interesting because, uh, funny you should say this, <clears throat> I also work with investors. And I've been working with this really cool guy, almost like your shrewd stereotype investor, you know, very data-driven, very serious. And when I started to work with him, it was almost a little bit intimidating. And, um, but, you know, we worked together, I took him through this and, you know, it turns out the business he's building is a really cool business. It's a B Corp, which means profits are going to go towards helping a, a very good cause. And I sent him a, he sent me the video a couple of days ago and I, I sent him my feedback, like, this is really great. Well done. Da, 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 da. And all I said as a side note, were you reading? And that's the only thing he picked up with his response yeah, I was using a pro. Is that really bad? Was I cheating? He didn't pick up on the well done, great, great delivery. You know, sportsmen talk about, sports people talk about this. You know, the whole crowd can be cheering, but you'll hear that one person that's booing, right? A thousand comments and you'll remember the one negative one. And I think it, it is developing that, that, that I am part of something greater. I am part of something bigger and if not in my lifetime, in the next lifetime, but let's get it going. And, and that can be like shaking up an industry. It doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be about racism. Like I know I'm using these examples, but, you know, it, it can be, a you know, look at Elon Musk. I mean, he's disrupting how many industries? I think he's in eight different industries. We know two or three. But again, he's he, massive criticism, but he, you see, his brain doesn't operate on the same level of us. He believes he's saving the human race. <laughs> I mean, when your fundamental belief and drive and purpose is to save the human race, anything you say is pretty minimal, right? That's what I mean. So yes, he's an extreme example, but it's developing that kind of a belief system that I am saving this industry, this human, I've got to do, I've got to do it, right? And it's that that you need to go through. Well, there's there's a lot there, but I I resonate with a lot of what you said there, and the, the main point I got from that was you know having that purpose, having that vision, and once you've once you've got that instilled, 
you know you can you can start to to believe in yourself that you can overcome anything that that's going to be thrown your way essentially if, if your yeah. core why is as simon sinek says once you've got understood yeah. your why your purpose you can you can overcome any, any obstacle that comes your way but my question that comes from that is once you've got your purpose how do you communicate that and i say that because how do you tell the story of your purpose so how can people start to to tell their story of, of what their purpose is yeah great question again I mean, there's various ways you can communicate it, right? I mean, we talk about the five stories every entrepreneur and business owner should be able to tell. The story of your credibility, the story, your personal story, your business origin, your success stories, and your vision, right? In essence, they all lead to your purpose, why you exist. So there's storytelling is a great medium to communicate your purpose. Um, and then, it, it, you know, you kind of break it down. Of course, there's, you know, through your lives, through your videos, through your content, through your podcasts. What it is, it's a stamp that exists on everything, your purpose, right? So our purpose is obviously use your voice for good. Um, my personal purpose is to be a great dad, to be a great husband and to impact the entrepreneurial community. That's what gets me out of bed every day, especially in tough times when things are, are really hard. And that is stamped is stamped everywhere on everything I do. So it's really about leading with that. And one of the trainings I do, I start with that. And it's interesting because people show up to the trainings and they go, you know, I think they're a bit shocked because I start with your business purpose. I'm like, why are you starting with this? I'm like, well, because unless you're clear on this, whatever you say, whatever you speak about, it's not going to work. Right. Then you're speaking to make money. And that's a different approach. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're speaking to, to use your voice for standing for something greater, you need to tie that back into purpose. So it's becoming completely crystal clear with it. It's, it's stamping everything you do with it. And it's communicating in various different ways through the stories you tell, through the content you create, through the blogs you create, through the lives you do, through the videos you do. Right. And that it's like this huge output of your purpose. And Obviously, the question you then get is, well, won't people get bored of it? No, not if you find a way to repackage it and you find a way to reframe it and you find a way to tell in a different way. And those who get bored of it, then they were never really going to stick around anyway. So that's how I would answer that question. It's a, it's a very good answer. One of the things you, you, you lean to there is is reframing and, and retelling the same story in different ways. I, I assume that's to reach different people at different times, as well as the same people at different times. How important is language in that? And I asked that question because I've done my research and I know that you've done uh, NLP accreditations. And, yep. and my little experience of that, I've got a lot of interest, but zero experience in that. It, is it surrounded the language that you use within stories? So yeah. I think my question is, is how important is the language that you use within the stories? Yeah. Well, it, it's really important because you've got to remember that the moment you're telling a story, the person immediately puts themselves into the story. It's It's just something we do unconsciously. We've done that since we sat around listening to the wise people around fires, right? So the language you use is designed to enroll them, is designed to emotivate them, right? It's designed to get people to go on a journey with you, which is why being really clear on the language is what Martin Luther King did very well. Again, Simon Sinek does a TED talk about that. 
if you haven't watched it, you know, or any of the listeners, I suggest you all watch it. In fact, I find that more interesting than to start with the why. Um, it's just that's because I'm fascinated. Now, you know, I know you raised NLP and NLP is great. Um, NLP, again, in the podcast with Adam, we discussed how it can also be used to manipulate, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So when we're thinking language, it's not necessarily about using neurolinguistic programming or hypnotic language. It's about using the, the language that's relevant to the audience or the market you want to reach. It's about what speaks to them. <clears throat> and what often people do, and this is a mistake they do when they're using speaking or when they're communicating their purpose, they talk from their model of the world, but they do it from a very I place, you know, and, and I explain it as I understand it and I, may, I communicate it as I get it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to land on Adam. Like Adam Adam sees the world very differently uh, or whoever I'm speaking to. So it's about understanding enough about your audience's language so they enroll and you communicate with them and they buy into your mission, your purpose, your vision. And, and that's that's really the, the, the really important part about it. It's the same like with website copy or with marketing copy, right, with a language user marketing. The reason we use specific language is to attract the buyer. And unless you're doing that, then it, it will either mismatch and people switch off or they won't quite get it. So you get half following and then they're going to half follow you and then they'll, they'll fail, filter away. So, yes, you know, you, you can learn about hypnotic language and you can learn about metaphoric language and you can use about Ericksonian language and you can use about neurolinguistic programming. All of these are important, right? They are, they are all important, but in essence, if I'm going to speak to a room of coders and I'm suddenly going to talk about putting your thought on the leaves and letting it sail down the river as you let go of your anxiety, you know, it might not work because that's not their language. That's not how their brain thinks. I don't know. They might think put the XXO on a, on a piece of internet stream and see it go by. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I actually did some training with, with some coders a while back in Spain. And one of them just got up and he walked out the room. Uh, and then he came to me afterwards. He goes, I, I wasn't being rude, but I'm just never going to do this. I'm never, ever going to do this. I just put my headphones on and I code. And that's all I'm really interested in here's a beer. And I'm like, cool, don't worry. I'd rather you wouldn't be in the room than suffer than, you know, uh, uh, that you left the room, you did the right things. And so that's the important, but maybe if I, if I, if I adapted it far more, and again, I was working for a client, so I was delivering what they wanted. So it's more Cody had more of a Cody metaphor and more of a Cody language. Maybe it would have related more. I don't know. Um, and that's the importance of language. You know, you, and I speaking today because the language I chose to use resonated with you. And here I am on the podcast. I'm sure there's people that open their mouths. You hear them talking about, oh, no, bleh, off. And you skip to the next podcast, right? That's the importance of language. There's a lot there. And I like that. I like <laughs> that a lot. I, I want to ask, I want to ask, how do you, how do you understand your audience's language better? To me, that screams your emotional intelligence to, to see yeah the what tone of voice to use what type of language um but yeah just kind of, i know it's quite a broad question but how can people start to to understand their audience a little bit better 
I mean, there is the aspect of, of data, like market research. That's why that is an important part of this. As you start to grow, you, you do need to start doing research. We've done research. The Be More Giraffe came because of the data we collected from the research we did when we asked our, 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 our market, like we asked them key questions. And then, so we gathered the data. My wife's a market researcher. And she looked through the data. She goes, look, this is what this is saying. Like, oh, that's why we're missing the mark. So then we, we changed the language accordingly. The other way to do it before you get to the data research, kind of like market research stage, is you do need to ask for feedback. Um, obviously, these days we get instant feedback, likes, comments, messages. But you also need to kind of say, how is this landing? You know, does, it, does this land better? Does this land better? Uh, when you share a story, guys, I'd love to hear what you think. And then people will gladly give you, most people aim for the, the good stuff. They want to give you the good stuff. Of course, you get some keyboard warriors and people like that that just give you the crappy stuff. But equally, listen to that. Because some of the greatest skeptics will become your greatest fans if they're dealt with properly. Haters will be haters, right? And that's the other thing. So again, it's distilling the difference. But it is about asking and asking for feedback. But the people you ask the feedback from are the people who are your potential market or your potential audience. A lot of people put something out on Facebook, right? And they go, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And of course, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I like it. It's so brilliant. Oh, you're so this. Probably three to four out of the 100 comments you get are probably the, the, the feedback you were looking for, right? So again, it's asking the people who would be your audience, who would be your market, you ask them for feedback. You know, of course, you can ask mom and dad, and that's great. And they'll never give the feedback you want to hear. Or maybe they always give the feedback you want to hear. But would they would they spend money? Would they follow your cause? Not necessarily. So it's about asking. And if you really want feedback, you ask your competitors. Now, that's being brave. If you're brave enough, you ask your haters for feedback. Uh, and see if you can, you know, they, they, if any way they give you anything positive, then you know you're really onto something. I like. And those that. are some of the ways I to like do that. that. Ask, ask your competitors. That's that's a it's a very authentic way to go around things, isn't it? Like that is being like that shows that you're comfortable with who you are and that you're curious to learn more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even this week, I got a phone call from from a lady who who I guess on the surface of thing would be considered competitor. And she was just like, so what's going on with you? Are you struggling with this and this? And I just had a very open conversation with her. I was like, look, here's what we did and here's why we did it. And here's something to think about. And you know what, if it, if it gets her more sales and it helps her, then that's okay with me. And maybe she'll get one or two of my potential clients, but that's okay. I mean, there's, A, there's enough to go around. B, uh, you know, again, if, if my, purpose is use your voice for good and really impact the entrepreneurial community then part of helping my competitors out is part of that i mean did i give away my secrets no i was just like look here's what we did here's some process to consider go for it and she's like really great i think she's very surprised at how willing i was and uh, you know again uh, next year i'm actually hired someone who's com considered to be one of my biggest competitors in the space to show me what he does, not because I want to nick it, because he does it really well, right? So I might as well learn from the guy who's actually a really good friend of mine, but on the face of things, we're actually competing. We're in the same space. We've got this similar audience. And people often go, oh, I was going to go to him or is it you? Is it him or is it you? And we often have those conversations, right? And I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to pay the guy and I'm going to learn from him. 
because he does it really well. And he was surprised because when we had that call, he's like, why are you working with me? And I was like, well, because I have to admit that there's things I don't do very well and you do them very well. And if you're happy to work with me, then I'm happy to work with you. He's like, no, I'm, I'm actually really surprised that you turned to me. I'm like, well, let's do it. And he's like, okay. And I think we haven't gone public with it. Though. It's quite interesting. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. if we went public and declared that we were working together. Um, but it doesn't need to go public because, you know, it doesn't need that. He'll get his money and I'll, get, I'll learn. And we're both going to benefit from that. I'll get him to invest in a company. He just doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> I love that but but ultimately you know it seems like you're someone that's that's happy to to share the wisdom that you do have and and I think that's very commendable and I think that's a philosophy that I try and use myself and I know that a lot of the people that I speak to are like that and ultimately in society you know we can only learn so much knowledge ourselves and we all have different knowledge we all have our own perception on life we all understand things in different ways so so why not share as much as that wisdom with as many people as possible and yeah off off the back of that then for you having the book having the the podcast and your business as well what's your legacy that you want to leave behind what's the legacy that that's creating or what you'd like it to create such a great question because I've been pondering about this quite a bit you know I mean I think my legacy's changed a lot over the years it's ironic because on the weekend <laughs> this is what happens when you grow up right uh, I my wife bought me pajamas that says legend and then my little girl's got the, the pajamas that says legacy um so it's, it's, it's when you said that I kind of had that I've got that picture in my head and I think, you know, it used to be me kind of like, hey, bringing peace to the Middle East and that'll be my legacy. Like it used to be this ma- massive thing. And actually, I think my legacy lies in the human beings that I raise, you know, that we both raise, right? My wife and I and how my daughter Ariella turns out, how my son Elijah turns out. You know, do I want to have an industry legacy that I stood for something? I do. And I, I, I guess I really want to, be known for the voice for good and I guess be more giraffe if that can take off and be like <laughs> just do it, you know Nike's thing that'd be amazing but I think it's it's you know I have a vision and my vision is to to launch K Enterprises and K Enterprises buys and sells businesses and I'm, I'm kind of always on the, on the brink of launching that and you know my legacy is to give that to my kids and I'm like over to you guys do with this what you want I'll keep the dividends, you do the rest, right? And then what they do with as human beings will be my legacy. It's very hard for me to define that. I just, you know, my hope and my ambition, and I guess in a way I pray for it when I meditate. I don't mean in like in religion, like to, to source the higher powers that be, is that my kids will do great in this world. And it kind of stops becoming about me and it becomes more about the them be an example an example i said yeah, I mean, i'm not obviously um you know i try and control as much as i can and so to answer your question i believe my legacy will be the kind of human beings my children will be and what they do in the world in the meantime it's about me impacting and supporting entrepreneurs and business owners 
to use their voice for good. And it's interesting because it comes with a real um, reward and sometimes conflict because, <clears throat> you know, and that's why I have to really dig deeper at times and remind myself of my purpose because the amount of my clients lately or ex-clients who have hit it big, far bigger than I am in terms of money, size, and you go, what? I remember one point I was just going for one of those, you know, we have those down days. And I just like that day, I got so many great emails. Like I've secured this. I've just raised 2 million. I've done this. And, like one day, all these things, I was like, oh yeah, this is amazing. I turned to my wife. I was like, all my clients are doing better than me. <laughs> right. And I just like had that moment, but then that's when you kind of get back in touch with your purpose and why you exist and why you do what you do. I'm a facilitator, right? And I facilitate people's, I guess, greatness, not because I'm great. Cause I, I, I help people, I help them pull it out and then I help them communicate that. So if they've stepped into the greatness and they've got great results, I am absolutely over the moon. And the nicest thing is when they come back to uh, to me without me asking, go, Oh, could you do this? For you? you you didn't mention me here. And they go, thank you. Like a couple we, we work with very closely. They now have a huge property portfolio. They don't have a house, <clears throat> right? They live in their car, not because they can't afford it because they live the nomadic lifestyle. They just go Airbnb out. And every time they come and visit me, you know, they're like, Elliot, thank you so much. You set us on this path. And then, you know, sometimes if my ego kicks in, like, oh, God, I don't, you know, why am I not that worth, you know, I should have got 10% or something. <laughs> um, but then apparently, like, no, but that's my, that was my role at the time. And that's okay. I mean, even today, I got an email from someone I work with, and she's recommending me to someone and saying, you know, due to his work, I raised two million pounds. It's like, yay, I don't have two million pounds. But, you know, really, I'm so happy because she worked her butt off for it. And so, that's kind of where my legacy lies. Is it going to be a Gandhi, Martin Luther King kind of legacy? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not attached to that. If it becomes that great, um, I, you know, I would like, I've always wanted respect from peers and my legacy to, to lie within that. Uh, I, I don't know what that will be right now. But as I said, if I, if, if Ariella and Elijah turn out to be amazing human beings, I, I will take that as my legacy. Yeah, I think it's really good. It's it's between the the family, and I think that that's maybe quite a common one is is having your your family, you know, live on through you essentially, and in the best possible way, as well as like you saying, you're facilitating people's success around you. Uh, and I think that that seems like a fairly good life to me. That that seems like a a or someone's definition of of what success could be. Elliot, yeah. just just as a, a final question. What's the best advice that you've been given or you'd like to give? The best, there's a couple that come to mind and they can sound quite sinister, but bear with me, right? When I was in America years ago, I used to work on camps. And this guy called Adam, funnily enough, um, he came to do a talk and it was like, giving my age a bit right now, but it was the, uh, it was the early 90s. <laughs> and um, I mean, I was, I was, fairly young then right and I just remember I, I missed most of his talk and then I came at the end and he he took me for a walk I just met him I'm like hey Adam I, I missed your talk can you tell me what you you talked about and um bear in mind that I'm 17 at the time and uh he he gave me you know we started talking and it's like what do you want for your life earlier what's your ambition and 
he just did something really weird that kind of, you know, it's almost like Hollywood like, but he just stopped and slapped me. Right. And I was like, what are you like, like, what the hell are you doing? Do you want me to punch you in the face? Like, what is wrong with you? <clears throat> and he goes, Elliot, what do you want from your life? Now, the reason he, now there is some context there. So Adam had HIV. And so he, he walked around, obviously, talking about the dangers of HIV. It, it was still fairly new then. It wasn't as common as now or as treatable. And he went, Elliot, stop wasting my time. I've got a clock kicking over, ticking over my head. What do you want from your life? And I was like, well, first of all, for you not to slap me, I was kind of like half crying. And I was like, I don't know. And he went, well, whatever you do, don't take your dream to the grave. And I was like, what? He goes, the graveyard is the wealthiest place on this planet because too many, too many people die with their dream in their heart. So you might not remember me, but you remember this guy that slapped you and told you not to take your dream. And that's what my talk's about. I was like, okay. So it's a really interesting way of learning. Um, so, you know, one of the, the advice is, you know, don't die with your dream in your heart. and Don't take it to the grave and don't make the graveyard the wealthiest place on this planet, right? The other one is this, and I've actually, I use this a lot, and it's um, hell is meeting the person you could have become. Heaven is meeting the person you became. And that always sits with me. And again, I know they're both kind of like slightly sinister, but, you know, they're not because if you're going to sit there and you're going to want and you're going to wish and you're not going to do anything about it, then I would hate to meet the person I could have become had I made those decisions. But then meeting that person I became as a result of wanting to change, becoming better, striving for more, that's heaven. And those are the two bits of advice and, and I would like to part people with. No, I, I love that. I love that a lot. That's a um, good story behind that as well, actually, about getting slapped in the face. That, that is something that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. It, <laughs> Literally, it seems never it, forget it. Seems it. it is. Um, if, if anyone's listening right now, Elliot, and they want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about Speaker Express, they want to learn more about the book, they want to learn more about the podcast, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? So uh, follow us on the normal channels, Twitter and Instagram, at Speaker Express. Um, if you want a bit more of a personal touch, then I am Elliot K. You know, a little bit of my kids on there, but again, a huge poster on there. Um, feel free to drop me an email, hello at speakerexpress.co.uk if you have any questions. And of course, you can buy the book from Amazon, Speak Influence Sell, the audio books on there as well as the book. And um, you can listen to the podcast, Voice for Good. Uh, I believe that's on iTunes and LipSync, I think. But yeah, I think it's on iTunes. And all the other major ones, I believe, but definitely on iTunes. Um, but just look for Voice for Good with Elliot K, and you should get the details. Yeah, just reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions, support. And, uh, you know, it's been really great being. You asked some fantastic questions, Adam. So thank you for having me. No, it's been, been an absolute pleasure. And I think that's, that's a good way with, with that last advice you get. I guess that's a very good way to, to end out the podcast. So, Elliot, thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. Keep doing the good work. 
If you have enjoyed today's episode, then please like, subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast gain exposure and I will be forever grateful. Also, head to the Instagram page at Purposeful Pursuit Podcast to hear episode extracts, see behind the scenes and join others in their pursuit for purpose. Finally, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast with your host, Adam Williams. The Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. The Purposeful Pursuit Podcast.